Protecting your assets for the next generation. You're listening to The Strong Room, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. After months of waiting, the B.C. government has finally introduced its speculation tax legislation, a move to try and bring down the escalating prices for various types of housing in the province. The tax is to apply in certain markets only, where speculation has led to large increases in prices. The tax has been a point of contention for Alberta-based owners of recreational properties in areas like Kelowna. Shortly after introducing the legislation, Finance Minister Carol James announced three amendments which had been put forward by the Green Party, which holds the balance of power in the legislature. We expect the change around the Canadian rates could make a difference of up to $30 million. In the budget, it's $200 million a year that we're expecting to bring in. So those are significant resources that will go into housing. And so we still expect to bring in significant dollars that will go towards affordable housing. Green Party leader Andrew Weaver says one of the amendments will reduce the tax by one half. Through hard work and let me tell you, many, many, many hours of negotiations, we've been able to come up with a compromise that we can both support and I will be bringing forward the amendments to this bill that address my key concerns. BC mayors of communities affected by the tax have called for annual reviews to see how the measures are working and to lobby for an end to the tax once the government's concerns about housing prices have been addressed. Meanwhile, with the legalization of the recreational use of marijuana, the baby boomer generation, in particular, is starting to wonder about the medicinal effects of the product, its capacity as a treatment for pain, and about how its use could impact other medications. Laura Tamblin-Watts from CARP, the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, has some thoughts on that subject. What we know is that our baby boom generation in particular has had a large familiarity with cannabis for many uses, but we're certainly seeing significant interest of older adults in Canada and our members in particular about all kinds of usages, particularly around things like pain alleviation and questions about arthritis for joint stiffness. What position has CARP taken on uh, the legalization of recreational marijuana? CARP has always been quite supportive of appropriate use, particularly of medicinal marijuana. We've been quite neutral on recreational marijuana. What we can say is that we know that there are significant benefits for many different people And we really hope that the information about the benefits and suitability of certain dosages gets into the hands of our memberships and indeed all older Canadians so they can make wise decisions for themselves. Yeah, there really is a a shortage of information or at least a a shortage of information that is readily available on things like dosages and strengths uh, and interactions with other medications. Uh, uh, These aren't questions that we know a lot about and they're questions we're going to have to learn something about going forward. It's one of the most important aspects that our members are telling us. They're curious, they're interested, they'd like to know the risks and benefits. But when we think about the different types of active ingredients in cannabis, whether they be the ones with psychotropic impacts or ones that are benign in terms of giving a a bit of a high, but maybe you want to use that for a 
tincture or you'd like to use it as a lotion or you'd like to use it in a vaping environment. What we don't have right now is clear labeling about strengths for these particular active ingredients. And we really don't have the type of expert information available to older Canadians about whatever kind of drug interactions they may be or what kind of over-the-counter or prescription impacts there can also be as well. So we have a long way to go before I think older Canadians will feel like they have enough information. And yet some of them are using cannabis for medicinal purposes. I um, have one good friend who um, who uh, takes a little bit in the morning and at night uh, and, and uh, is demonstrably um, better, doesn't hurt as much, can walk around. He's 82 and and he is um, he, he swears by it. He he says this is the best thing that I could have done. One of the things that we're hearing from our members and other older Canadians is that they're very excited about the opportunity to explore cannabis use as an alternative to opioids like the Tylenol 3s, like Oxycontin, like hydromorphone, which can often have significant side effects and more addictive aspects. So what we see is particularly concerning where older people are on opioids and they are also subject to instability and falls because they can make you very zooey. And so a lot of our members are saying that they're interested in exploring cannabis use as an alternative to these opioids. Are pharmacists ideally positioned to help seniors in particular with things like dosages, with strengths, uh, with what should be prescribed, what can be safely taken, and how it might interact with other medications that a patient is on? It's been CARP's continuing position that pharmacists really should be that nexus point for older adults. They're well embedded in community, easily accessed by people who are engaged in purchasing. So you don't need to make a medical appointment to try to find a doctor or a nurse, which can be very difficult for people. They're in the pharmacy, they're in the local stores, and they are able to ask those important questions about interactions of existing medical health conditions and how over-the-counter medications like Advil or other type of cold medications would interact as well as do a medical review about whatever kind of pharmacological meds they're already on. So the short answer is yes, we would like to see an increased role for pharmacists. And not all pharmacies, uh, I guess, are licensed to, to sell um, cannabis, either recreationally or for medicinal purposes. So it means that uh, they have some knowledge, but they're not necessarily uh, retailing the product. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think what's going to be very important is a significant push by medical professions, including pharmacy professionals, to ensure that the right information about dosages and labeling is out there. People are going to want to go to trusted sources, and I'll encourage them because we're going to be putting more sources on our website, carp.ca, to seek out trusted information, but to also advocate for really plain language labeling and a lot of common sense information about common type of drug interactions. So if you are on vasodilators, you may need to ask more questions if you're putting on a type of a lotion which has active ingredients on because it does sink into your skin. So people with different weights, different conditions, different frailties are going to need to get good information if they're using it for medical purposes. And we haven't even begun to talk about the potential for food products, which is coming next year. 
It really is. We're seeing a wide variety of different methods that cannabis can be used in, ranging from patches to edibles to even tinctures. Soon we're going to be able to put little drops of the active ingredient into your soup at dinner. And we need to think a little bit more robustly about some of the risks and benefits of that, particularly when you're looking at things like community care, long-term care and assisted living. What are going to be some of the regulations around people dosing themselves versus having other people take those dosages uh, more measured for you. Finally, a word from Linda Faucus, who runs a company called Glue Technologies out of Vancouver. She's hoping to raise funds to develop an email product, especially for seniors, one which will allow them to use email without some of the hassles of being bombarded with unwanted harassment. Glue Technology Society is a nonprofit organization, and we're here to help older adults learn to use technology and discover the technology that's going to help them age at home and stay connected to their family and friends and the things they love to do. And so you've come up with uh, an inbox. Um, Describe that if you can and and how it impacts seniors who uh, use email, want to use email, uh, but uh, don't necessarily want some of the hassles that come with email. Yeah, what we did with the AgeWell National Impact Challenge, the idea was to come up with an idea that would help seniors live better lives, basically. And we've helped thousands of seniors work with technology and a persistent problem is the email scams, is an overflowing inbox, is is understanding how to deal with attachments and seniors generally just not liking email. But 90% of older Canadians use it to communicate digitally. So we decided let's create a product that actually will have seniors loving email again, that'll give them the tools that they need and the features they need to um, use email securely, get help when they need it, and perhaps, um, again, love, love email a little bit more and help them stay connected. We are a country that is going digital by default. Uh, we have to be connected to online services. And a big part of how we're doing that is through email. So this is a nice to have, but it's also a really important to have. So have, have you created the technology at this point or is this a raw concept? This is a raw concept at this point. We um, we decided to use the AgeWell competition as our launch point to get the idea out there and to say, all right, everybody, here's the research we've done. Here's what we know. I have a software development background and we worked with our glue team to say this is what it needs to look like. And the AgeWell competition has allowed us to present this as a development stage and perhaps win some money to get this into a prototype testing stage. That's our goal with the competition. That's Linda Faucus of Glue Technologies. More in a moment on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.